You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. A big thank you to everyone listening along. We're at episode 195, getting very close to the big 200. I cannot believe We've lasted this long, but it's fantastic to talk to the first man to ever come into this studio, and he is back by popular demand. I wasn't actually thinking of having you in for a few more weeks, Brendan, but we have had people absolutely knocking the door down and saying, when is Brendan Ptolemy coming back in to chat about the market? So, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me in, Trent. And yeah, uh, very flattering. Bit to of an get- ego stroke, isn't oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, lucky I can just laugh it off. Yeah, um, yeah what was it? Oh, we got a quote. Uh, the greatest. The greatest. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest commentator uh, on the podcast. Yeah, we'll leave that to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone obviously appreciates your thoughts and um, being an impartial valuer. Uh, people can take it as seriously as they can, obviously. So today's episode, we're just going to deep dive into what's going on in Perth, what's going on in the market. We're going to talk construction on a resi and a multi-res basis. We're going to talk about all the guff coming out of the East Coast media. We're going to try and get a little bit deeper into the regions of Perth, the sub-regions of the Perth metro area as well. Just really trying to add some value today on everyone listening that can relate back to where they're at. But let's kick it off. Brendo, let's get the media out of the way first off because they're still creating a lot of noise in this market, talking to the East Coast dynamics and extrapolating them over to the West Coast, even so far as one of our big four banks, ANZ, who, by the way, never, ever get it correct. Yeah. Coming out last week, suggesting a percentage fall in value next year. That would equate to around $70,000 in value drops across Perth's median in 2023. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, number one, enormously frustrated in terms of the message that's come out from the East Coast. Understandable in terms of lots of commentators sitting in and around Melbourne and Sydney most in particular. I think just first off, it's really interesting that the Sydney house price story is what leads in terms of that interest rate rise discussion. The Melbourne market's not going as badly as Sydney at all. In fact, it's probably going all right. And then the Brisbane market is actually going pretty well. It's pretty strong. Their their immigration numbers and their median house price numbers and their sales rates have all been really good. So we are very much talking about a Sydney-led story. My biggest concern to cut to the chase is that that then affects our consumer sentiment and the confidence in our market to go and spend money. Clearly, we have some fundamentals, interest rates going up and people feeling that. And then the headline every single day that seems to be on on the news is uh, cost of living pressures. So those two things combine a damaging consumer confidence. Then you overlay the commentary that comes from the inverted commas experts, in particular those bank experts and those East Coast economists that then start saying that our house prices are going to go backwards and that erodes any further confidence that may have been remaining. That's what we have this podcast for, is to try and cut through and get West Australians, you know, West Australia's market to provide their commentary. And I promise everyone, the day that we genuinely think it's time to pull up stumps in WA, Brendan Ptolemy and Trent Bleskins <laughs> will be saying that, yeah. right? Just like we said in the first ever episode, where is Perth going? Yep. Uh, it was a grassroots stage. We were calling it on the 2nd of December, 2019, talking to the fact that we haven't seen growth yet, but we're we're seeing shoots coming through, right? We were very deliberate about that, that we hadn't actually seen growth yet. We're clearly been seeing growth in the last couple of years. And let's give an update as to where the market actually is today, where we believe it will be going by the end of the year, and then what capacity we believe there is for growth, 
stagnation or not growth next year. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, clearly the, that confidence is out of the market at the minute. What I think is the opportunity for people here, in, in particular in the depths of uh, our wettest, coldest winter ever, is to go looking out for the opportunities because you will have vendors that might be bringing property to the market. We'll talk about that in a second. But you might also have some opportunities essentially in terms of people thinking that there's uh, less transactions the out there. run out. Yeah, yep. and, and so interest rate rises, meaning that property prices will have to come back. Now, you call it an opportunity, I'm assuming, and I would agree with you, because you don't believe that there is medium-term negative growth in Perth's market. Because if you did, you wouldn't call it an opportunity. Yeah. You'd be saying sell now. Yeah, exactly. And so what we're still seeing on the ground in terms of activity is in decent suburbs, unless you're signed up with an agent essentially, you're probably not going to get an opportunity to purchase the property. So you need to let agents know that you're out there looking. Now, the other part of the cycle here that we're probably just a little bit unsure of is what stock is there to come. So by that, I mean vendors that are sitting on their hands going, gee, I'd really like to move, but now I'm not sure whether my property is worth X dollars and I need it to be worth X dollars to affect that move to the better suburb. So they'll continue to sit on their hands. So we reduce our activity and it gives us less of a read about what's happening out there in the market. I'd like to think that if there are people out there with that thought process on holding them back, selling that there are still just as many people believing like I do, that there is good short and long-term growth in this market and thinking they're leaving money on the table if they did sell today and that's what's continually holding down supply. Because let's be real, let's talk to the facts. We still have the lowest amount of supply within 10% of that amount that we've ever had yeah, as correct. a percentage of properties in Western Australia. We still have weekly transactions, which is buy side, on average, well above the last boom's weekly transactions yep. sitting around the 900 a week on average. And we still have chronic undersupply of rental vacancies. And I spoke to an immigration agent last week and they have gave us a great update talking about the fact that there are a multitude of people sitting there waiting to get their applications processed to be able to come into Perth and start living and working. So continual demand, continual undersupply, no alternative in the rental space. Right now, I think the only thing that if it is, will be creating some uncertainty in the market is all the noise about the East Coast and inflation and interest rates. I guess when change happens, people will get a bit fearful of how far that change will run yeah. and where will this end. In my opinion, it's just like petrol prices. A year ago, if we saw a $1.45 or $1.50 at the Bowser, you'd turn your nose up at it and keep driving. You'd go, I'm never paying that, right? Yep. Now you look at $1.50 and go, mate, sign me up, fill my gas tank up. Yep. We just need to get to that point, I think, where we all start to get a bit more used to the fact we're paying 4% or three and a half, or four, or four and a half for yep. interest rate, which, which is an entirely normal interest rate, by the way. Yep. And then reset, settle. You'll start to hear news and noise next year. I promise you about the RBA possibly even reducing the cash rate again, yep. which will start to stem a little bit of confidence, right? And I still have a very, personally, a very strong view for what next year looks like for good suburbs in Perth. Yeah, so I wanted to pick up on the interest rate side of things. So standard variables, or sorry, standard variable discounted rate would be around 3.5-4% with most of the big four at the minute. The thing that we're seeing in our business is, is less valuation activity, essentially because 
the banks are trying to retain their customers. They're, they're all fully in that strategy. I know it sounds really ironic that they'd want to keep you, but we have been through a 10-year cycle of essentially churn in the, the banking sector where an average mortgage would last for about three years, I think, are the, are the stats. So just continuous churn out there. What we're now seeing, and I encourage all, all of the listeners to do this, is test the value of your house and your investment properties and go and talk to your bank. So it can be as simple as getting your broker or or yourself to call your banker and say, hey, I just want to check my interest rate. And we're hearing stories of cashbacks or immediate drops in terms of uh, interest rate without needing to go through things like refinance process and without having to provide things like pay slips and expense accounts and yep. getting valuations done. So certainly encourage that. And then the other point I'd make there, just in mentioning, and I know this is really self-serving, but I think it's really good advice for the listeners is that if your bank's saying, I don't want to value your house, I'd, I'd be insisting on getting your place valued at the minute. We are at a, a, a peak time in terms of lots of suburbs in Perth at their highest point in the market in a period of time now. And it would be really good for consumers to have that, that value on file with the bank essentially i think that's a good idea exactly right i think a lot of people right now listening to the macro information that comes out of the east coast you can't not hear it even i hear it every day and i have to fight that with all the data in my head every day to make sure oh no this this we're still on the right path stop listening to that the easiest way to break through that i think is to get really micro and get a third party valuation of your house and i think most people would actually be quite pleasantly surprised for example i had a an existing client say, Trent, I'd like to get these three triplex units in Kalaroo valued, please. I'm thinking about doing a refinance. And he said, I think they're worth $650,000 each. We went and got a valuation. They're worth $750,000 each. Yeah, right. Wow. Now, that's where a lot of people's confidence go, well, shit, I'm, we're actually doing pretty well here. That will be on file with the, with the new bank because we're going to move them away from their old bank to get a better rate. Obviously, looking, that's the whole point of a refinance. But even if you're not sure about the benefits of a refinance, you can go speak to your broker. They can get a free valuation done, even just a desktop to get a bit of an update of where you're sitting. You probably recognize you actually have a lot more equity in your home than you thought you did, which might start giving you that thought process of, well, maybe I can use that. And back to your point five minutes ago, I do agree this is the best time we've had in a couple of years for anyone who hasn't bought yet, who's got a little bit of non-buyer's remorse, of remorse of, oh, shit, I didn't buy anything in the last couple of years and now I'm behind. This really wet, rainy period where there's so much noise in interest rates, inflation, all that stuff coming out, this is where there's always going to be that selling agent who says, oh, list with me, you should sell now, it's starting to fall. You can take advantage of that as a contrarian, pick up that property now before it gets warmer again in October, before everyone's out there, every man and their dog's out there, and this is when you should be buying right now. Yep. I personally am buying massively right now because of that same uh, complex. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, absolutely. And uh, just going back to that kind of valuation side of things, so in terms of process to, to help people with that advice, you would go and, and speak directly to your banker or broker, whoever usually does your finance, and the best way to get it done would be through your financial institution, either the one you're with or the one you're going to move to, and they have a panel of valuers that's, you know, we're on you that panel. Because you want to obviously line up with the bank so that you can use that valuation yeah, exactly. for a refinance. Yeah, right? spot on. I had exactly the same situation that you mentioned before. We had a client who wanted to refinance. We've got everything sorted, all the documents signed with a new bank, and at the last minute, CBA have called him up and said, look, please don't leave. Here's $4,000 
wow. cash back to you <laughs> to not amazing. leave and will match the interest rate yeah. that you were going to move to. Yeah. They were never going to do that for the two months before. Yeah. Didn't want to borrow the client. Yeah. And then last minute they did because they realized it costs them more than $4,000 to find a new client like him who's been fantastic for 10 years. Yeah. So everyone out there listening, this is the time where you should be getting a new valuation, having a look at your loan limit if you can afford to, Look at the opportunities of cashing out so you can buy another investment property. This is these are the opportunity. This is the time now, really, because I do have a strong belief that whilst we might see a bit of stagnation maybe for the next few months just because of the noise and the fear of what happens with interest rate rises, yeah. once that settles, the fundamentals of Perth are still extremely resilient. Yep. And just like petrol prices, we all get used to it and we all keep running on with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the other sector of the market there that should be considering their loan-to-value ratios and, and who they bank with or who they finance with would be that first home buyer sector where there could be as much as 2 2.5% between a big four interest rate and maybe like a first home buyer's type interest rate. So they should hopefully now have enough equity. And, so if you're on Keystart, a... refinance <laughs> to another I, bank. I think they'd be happy for us to say that, yeah. Well, they yeah. I mean, the That's whole point of key start yeah. is, is there a step ladder into the conventional banking world? Yeah. Yeah. And so, in terms of a first home buyer's cash flow, there is some significant monthly savings to be had there. All right. Let's start talking about some pockets in Perth. Yep. We always talk about, and we said this on the first ever episode, smart money moves first. The smart money, as I've always said, starts in Cottesloe and emanates out. How's that Western Suburbs wing been performing the last three, four months throughout all the noise? Yeah, so I think it's probably stagnated a little bit, Trent. There's a few properties that have come to the market. Probably should really start, though, by saying that it's absolutely massively undersupplied. Again, I think there's a, a real syndrome of vendors sitting on their hands thinking, well, would I sell now? And if, if so, where would I move to? And can I afford that more expensive property down the road? Having said all of that, that stagnation in that activity is probably, as I say, caused by a lack of supply in terms of listings. A few listings coming back to the market just now, though, but also some some really significant sale prices that have happened within the last three or four months. In terms of you know one of the tests you do as a as a valuer is you see something transact and stand back from it for a minute and th- think, well, you know what what do you think I'd value that at? And I probably shouldn't say this because I'm going to throw myself under the bus, but you know there's um, a few transactions that have been ten or fifteen percent more than I thought they'd transact still. for. Yeah, so that's so still pretty interesting. When you say stagnation, do you mean that what I'm seeing across most of Perth is that agents would report nine months ago that there would be 10 offers on the table for every property. Yep. And now there's three. Yep. But they're still getting the price they want. Yep. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And and also the fact that there's just less to choose from. And But yep. that's also a syndrome there right, that Colleen Gandini spoke to a few weeks ago in that she said, Trent, I've got a whole bunch of buyers that want to buy. Yep. It's just there's nothing to sell. And because there's not much to sell, there's not much to buy. Yep. And therefore, people at $4 million aren't just going to buy something for the sake of it. They'll yeah. wait. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the that. People who have got good houses are not selling. Yeah. Spot on. And so that reduces that churn. And it means also because you, you can't see the opportunity for the average person as to where to go to next, they'll sit on their hands. So you still think there's quite a, a strong fundamental there of the relationship between demand and supply? Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. Yep. So let's move out into that middle income area. Let's talk, think about areas emanating from Duncraig, emanating from Melville, Bayswater, these sort of places, right? 
What's the feel on the ground with your valuers? Yeah, so well, really interesting in terms of looking at the REWA stats just for last week. The highest selling suburb in the northern suburbs was Mount Lawley. So I'm not sure whether that was an apartment complex that's all settled at once or something like that, but uh, interesting activity. All of those, those mid-level priced uh, suburbs are still, again, in very good demand very tight supply and you have upgrade buyers looking to get into those suburbs consistently. So that's where most of the growth is happening right now. It's yeah, because you're at the top and start yeah, moving to here now. Yes. And so because you're in a inverted commas a slightly more affordable market, that's where people are still jostling for position and willing to offer slightly above price to, to get into something they like. So we're uh, talking seven hundred to one point two yeah, space, right? Yeah, one two one five, that yep. kind of stuff. And so we're also still gotta be mindful that most people are still looking for the perfect product so because of construction costs they're not really going to go and buy the renovator's dream they're going to go and find the house that has either been renovated or is newly constructed so it's still slightly picky in the market it's not everything that's going crazy at once let's start thinking about suburbs like belmont like Coolblup, willoughby nolamara Stuart Hill, Morley, these sort of areas. Yep. What's the feel? Probably less panicked activity. Again, still lacking a fair bit of supply. And then because those suburbs have a range of product, i.e. they might have a, a villa, a group house, a townhouse, and a single residential property, then each of those are just moving at their at slightly different rates, which again means that you can't go into those suburbs and say Generalize. across the board, yeah. everything's moved up by 10%. So the market is being slightly picky. One thing that we are seeing is investor activity happening in lots of those suburbs. So anywhere where the rents are solid and you can see that that vacancy rate's down and in particular investors think there will be some growth, they're coming to participate in those suburbs as well. Well, that's where I'm seeing a lot of the East Coast investment happening. And I think it's actually more in the next quarter we start talking about where it's sort of 500 and below, 500 to 380. Yeah. Those properties are absolutely getting snapped up in suburbs you'd never think of by the East Coast because they look at the yield and go, it's 5% yield. The interest rate is going to be about that. Essentially, this is where I want to be to mitigate any holding costs. And we just see massive value compared to we where we live in Sydney. Yep. A huge percentage of people. And look, I see that as obviously there's a lot of growth coming in. That's real growth. But that's where I see concerns that one day that's the first place that the market's ass gets pulled out of it because yeah. they start pulling out as investors as well. Yeah, yeah. And so we've been really surprised to see some contracts um, in those. So what I think's happening there is there's some marketing happening on the East Coast about affordability in the Perth market. A lot, I think. Clearly, yeah. they're looking at that yield side of things as well. So that just means that the the landing place for the purchase price is somewhere between kind of four hundred and six hundred odd thousand dollars The yield gross is looking like four to five percent which is obviously really strong well especially when you compare that to sydney prices yeah, sydney absolutely US, right? yeah and then the cash flow is is really good in terms of those rents that you know the statistics say that the rent stays stays where it is or goes up vacancy rates really low at the at present and so from an investor point of view you can probably stack up that argument relatively easy it's also easier to get finance in terms of the the value size in terms of what the person's going to be borrowing we get a little bit concerned that investors from the east coast don't look hard enough at what they're buying so we are talking about suburbs that could correct in at 10 or 15 percent relatively easy These because are the suburbs they go into right girls yeah. maddington shoalwater waikiki rockingham these yep. are places that west australians would spend quite a bit of time double triple checking before they yeah. bought yep and so that correction would come from in those newer suburbs an oversupply of product or infill product in those older suburbs like gosnells and so into the future you see an oversupply of product 
that means that your rental vacancy potentially goes up, rents go down, and then essentially the investor's kind of left holding something that might not be worth as, as much as they paid for it. Let's look at the house and land estates. Yanchep, yep. Alcamos, Averley, Ellenbrook, Byford, Baldivis, Haynes, yep. these places. So construction costs are hitting those suburbs really hard. I just checked our data this morning. And if you go back to most of 2020, just scanning our numbers, construction costs were anywhere between kind of fourteen and $1,700 a square metre. Consistently now, if I look down that same list and same builders, you'll be looking at anywhere between 1900 and 2.2 is the most recent data I've got. So is that uh, essentially a four by two goes from being 250 and now it's 350? Yeah, exactly. And we're just talking of project homes with just single story cost. with, with yep. any builder. And so what happens as those construction costs go up, less people are interested or more importantly can afford to get the land plus construction cost uh, scenario their, together. Within their serviceability. Exactly. Yeah. What they could afford the 450, now they can't afford the 550. Yeah. So what are they doing? Yep. Uh, well, so they're either not buying or what we're seeing most consistently as the market kind of peaks out in that that construction cost side of things at the minute is bargaining with the builder over can you build x place for x dollars and the builder saying well i can't build it for any cheaper i can make the house slightly smaller or we can look at the finishes in your home to save some money so deals being pushed really really hard in terms of cost at the moment so what happens to the established market then surely some of those people start looking at buying some of these five to ten year old properties yeah and so what we've been seeing is in a location like Belldivers with that would have a, a plenty of supply in terms of less than five-year-old houses uh, consistently pretty much for most of this year it's been the highest selling suburb in the suburb, southern suburbs of perth and the highest selling suburb in all of perth always got to remember that it's a it's really a big suburb, suburb so it's it, probably three it suburbs in one yeah yeah you know there's they're basically averaging at 20 sales a week in there so that would indicate to me that there's a really good price point in that location as we've said in the past the infrastructure in belt office is really good it's a great place to live and most importantly it's affordable when you start comparing it back to building a new home at the at the, the present time all right, well, we've spoken about locations. I think that's a pretty good roundup as to where things are at. Let's talk about housing type and move into apartments. Yep. Are you seeing a bit more volume on the valuation side for people getting a mortgage for apartments, for buying something in uh, that space? No, it does come in waves though. So as some of those bigger projects settle in the next few months, and, and there's definitely a couple of massive complexes. There's a few coming up, um, one Subiaco. Yeah, so they're all aiming for Christmas finish. The way our, our process works, to give everyone an insight, is that under the way we're regulated, the banks don't want us to do a valuation until we can actually walk inside that apartment. And so just to give people an insight as to settling their property if they're waiting on finance to do that then we'll have to wait for the builder to give us access that the whole whole uh, apartment block doesn't need to be finished obviously we can get early access but i'm just giving some insight as to um, when yeah, when that really process occurs yeah. yeah and so the volume will come all at once for us in terms of the trigger yeah does that not put a bit of risk on the developer that maybe they've got 100 pre-sales 80 of them are finance and of those 80 maybe it gets to a point within a couple of weeks of finishing where you start walking in there that we get our bank finance and either evaluation isn't where it needs to be it's gone down or in this i don't think it's gone down it's probably gone up in most cases in the yeah. last two years right but certainly last boom that was a risk or even your serviceability with interest rates right yeah so obviously each individual's financial situation is can be different from a value point of view we're in a really good spot in the cycle for properties that have been sold off the plan in most of the developments that are coming to fruition at the minute so what happens contract says i'm buying a two by two 
at one Subiaco for six fifty. I'm not sure what they are, but let's just say it's six fifty. Do you go in there and just confirm six fifty, or given the fact it's been a year or two, can you come back and say, "No, nah, it's actually seven hundred now"? Yeah, yeah. So again, under our guidance notes, the way we work, we need to value the property as at the day that we inspect it. And if the value's gone up and the value the, the day that we're there is higher, then we have to call it that way. Mm. The other thing that people should be conscious of is that we can't use sales evidence purely from within that complex. So we're really suspicious of resales and those kinds of things. We'll analyze that data, but we do need to look further field that's what our regulations say and that's how the banks instruct us to undertake our valuation yeah you can certainly see how back in the day when things were booming in the east coast in the apartment market one of the strategies was literally just to put a ten thousand dollar deposit down let it get built over the next two years hope that it went up in value by 20 percent, and not have to put a cent into the equity yeah exactly exactly and and thankfully we're not in that market at the minute because that makes our job really hard and so yeah we should go through a really measured process here in terms of those uh, buildings being finished we talk about apartment value Values, it's the same as houses, it's demand and supply. The problem we've got in apartments is nothing is coming on. Yep. Most of the projects that were supposed to start this year have all been iced. Yeah, yeah. so I, I reckon this is something that uh, the state government should be concerned about, Trent. I, I think it's enormously frustrating that we got our stage, our, our city, uh, into particular near city locations that really need some infill development. We got the zonings finally sorted out. We got some town planning schemes sorted out. And as we now know, it takes years to get these things done. Mm-hmm. And we finally got some designs and, and even some approvals in place. And as soon as that all happened, we had all our ducks lined up finally for our, our city to mature a little bit. And then the construction cost hike hit. And that has meant that most of those projects aren't viable at this point in time. So no supply. What happens to apartment prices? Yeah, so, well, you would, you'd think apartments in good locations that have been produced should go up in value, essentially. That's um, a first for Perth, right? Because yeah. you look at the East Coast and people look at apartments just like they look at houses. They can go up in value down. They sit the market with the market. But it's pretty rare that you've seen over the last 20 years an apartment that you bought for 500 is has appreciated in value. Yeah. We need to start getting to a point where, we, where that culturally we can appreciate, we can accept that, right? Yeah, yeah. and so I've got to be really cautious here because we'll have brokers and bankers rigging my office uh, by the end of the day telling me that all, I said all the apartments in Perth went up in value. That's that's obviously not going to be <laughs> the case. The apartment market is a little bit like buying a new car a lot of the time. In, in particular, if you buy something off the plan, there can be a value correction. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they will go down in value like a, a new car does. but um, We've seen it though. Yeah, we, can, we do see that. And the other thing at play here is new product into a location means that the old product can correct in price because it looks so much better. In particular, if you're looking at something that's more than five years old, in Perth Metro now, the quality of the common area services that you get on a new apartment block now versus an old one is is a decent Vast, distance. Yeah. And so that's a bit more like that new car scenario of, you know, I've got Apple CarPlay in my new car and my old car has got my home stereo that I've got in put in by... Uh, yeah, Alfred the Kenwood, yeah. Alfred Hi-Fi or whatever that. Yeah, those <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah, and that's where I see we need to get to a point where apartments in an established market can start appreciating in value based on their amenity. Yeah, so that there is more space because you see it over in Brisbane, Gold Coast, in Sydney, the amount of apartments going up there, and they're only going up because the developers see profit because values appreciate. Yeah, even Trino was in Adelaide this week and just taking a snapshot of their inner city apartment market compared to 
the first time I went there 15 odd years ago, there, there is a lot of accommodation in, in the city there. I was also in Darwin recently as well. That was the same scenario, being able to drive around with our local valuers there and point out the complexes that have been finished most recently and the fact that they're all full because that rental market's really active up there too. Culturally, we like to think that we are a little bit more superior than Adelaide, right? Yeah. But has is, is Adelaide surpassed us in terms of the property market? Not in terms of value, but in terms of their maturity. What I would say about that Adelaide market is it is extremely stagnant all the time in terms of growth. So it never booms and busts like Perth. It never has a breakout boom and then comes back again. So it just continues along a, a steady path of X value is is what it is. What's happened here is that we've corrected in, in Perth and we've ended up behind Adelaide in terms of median house price. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I think is just, is simply strange. Yep. But uh, we can't compare ourselves to other markets too much because we are our own market, yeah. right? And if you look at the fundamentals of our economy and we, we haven't even touched on in the employment rate and unemployment and all of those headlines at the moment, there is a lot of investment in the major mining companies, those medium-sized mining companies and the juniors. In particular, if you look through, say, West Perth office space and even down into Subiaco, there is a lot of activity from, from mining companies at that mid to junior level taking up plenty of office space at the moment. Well, and that's a good sign, right? Because for so yep. so long, West Perth and Subiaco has been a ghost town. Yep. And that is very much just a proxy for people having a crack. Yeah. Right? That whole area is just full of small offices of small caps having a crack. Yeah. And so then if we bring that back to the apartment market discussion, what I would be looking for in terms of anyone looking around to buy would be a location which is being, say, gentrified in terms of a new apartment complex coming along and there's no better example of one Subiaco just to pump their tyres up, but they will renovate the streetscape there and we'll end up with bars and cafes and restaurants and shops uh, and, and most importantly, the people that live in the apartment block mm. in those streets around the, You're the apartment. You're critical mass of people yeah. back to that locale. Yep, and so density breeds a, a situation that means that it's a nice place to live. Yeah, well, and that's, that's what I think planning people don't seem to understand is that you go and bring two, 300 people to an area. Yes, there are there are challenges you deal with regards to traffic and noise, but think of the benefits that that brings to small business and vibrancy and safety yep. and all that. Oh, I think I, safety is the big one. Basil Zemplis will tell you about his problem in the city. That, that, that can all be taken away by people- Bringing people in. Being in the street yeah. because more people up and down the street means that it's, it's more safe. Yeah. Uh, I was in Fremantle for the Hidden Treasures uh, Festival recently or the Fremantle Festival on a Thursday night that it's active, uh, uh, an active uh, event to try and bring as many people as possible into Frio. And it was amazing. There was lots of people around. But you do look around on nights other than that and wonder how some of that new infrastructure that they've built down there, some new retail arcades and new bars and those kinds of things, are going to survive if there's not the density of people living locally. Um, there's a lot of apartment buildings that have been mooted for that area, Brendan. Yeah. We haven't spoken about, about a lot about Fremantle, but maybe you should touch on it there. There are some bigger developments that are supposed to be coming in here. Yeah, so they're going to get caught up in those construction costs issues. Doubletree have been talking about building their Hilton on the old Point Street car park site there for a really long time. The thing that worried me the most was walking down High Street Mall. There's a lot of vacant retail in there. So some of those players will have been pulled into the new FOMO project. And that looks amazing around the Varsity Bar and there's 10-pin bowling and a whole lot of activity happening there. But I just question whether there's the critical mass of people living there 
close enough to Frio to make sure that that's all uh, as successful as it could be? Well, answer's pretty simple. Get those apartment buildings running and that's where the people will come from. Yeah, yeah. and it's such a livable town. Uh, it's, it's disappointing that there's not more modern amenity in terms of places to buy. Yeah. All right, last thing I want to talk about is land. I've got a couple of land developments that I'm moving through the planning space in myself in infill spaces. So I'm hoping that the land space starts to pick up yep. in the next 12 months. Yeah. Obviously, there's been some interesting data points. The March quarter had 893 sales, I think, of land in the whole of the state, which is about half of what the worst quarter was before COVID yep. in the dark days. Yeah, yeah. So you really think, Jesus, no one's buying land at the moment. What's land been doing the last few weeks? Yeah, so you, uh, sales rates for on a weekly basis. Uh, last week was 41. I know the week before was about 65. What should and, it be? And the week before, 50-odd. I would have thought it should be at least three times that. I would posit that the reason people aren't buying as much land as they normally do right now is a couple of reasons. One, all that demand from 2022 was vacuumed into 2020. Yeah. Two, there's a lack of trust in builders' capabilities to finish projects in a timely manner yep. or even be around, which is still hanging around in people's minds. Three, obviously, construction costs are at a point where it's probably still just easier to buy an established house yep. that's three to five years old instead. And land sales are derivative of confidence in the build market and also the amount of money spent by the big builders in marketing. Yeah, And because the builders are still just trying to get through what they've got and they're probably still a few months away, I don't see a lot of marketing of land coming up getting that... I guess that market back, right? Yep. And what that leads me to believe is that we're going to have a big cliff soon of whilst tradies have absolutely been swimming in it in the last two years. If you've got these numbers in the March quarter, by the end of the year, nine months later, we're going to get to a point where those front-end trades like concrete slabs and brickies Start knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we can see this in our figures at the minute in terms of the number of valuations happening. And we think that we're not a bad lead indicator the, as to what happens next in the market and, and the economy in general. So we're down a, a bit at the moment, probably rather not say percentages for commercial confidence. But what that will lead through to is obviously less building starts. That less building starts at the start of that process is less people buying blocks of land. And, and that's our point here. I would expect most big developers, but to be continuing to get their their projects ready for sale. They're not going to close up the gates and walk away. And I think what we need to do is, and so sorry to finish off on your point, I think we will see some of those trades available and probably looking at their pricing at the back end of this year and definitely into the start of next year. And that potentially means that construction costs can correct slightly. There's still a materials issue there we don't really know the, the end game of. But I think we also need to refocus on the immigration factor there in that we are trying to get as many people as possible to move to WA within reason, skilled migration, and those people are still going to need somewhere to live. So we should just go back to what's on the market and what they can buy and what they can rent at the minute. If we're at nothing at the minute, essentially, then where are they going to live when they come? So we do still need new supply to relieve that, that pressure on our marketplace. Another consideration I have, which I forgot a couple of minutes ago, is the fact that if all that land was sold out a couple of years ago, in the same vein as what we are talking about before with lack of supply options, I don't think there's that much supply available to buy in the first place as well. Yep. Yes, yeah, yeah. So there's only certain product types left in most estates. So we'll we'll end up some of those sales rates could be 
getting influenced by the fact that there's the product the that the buyers yeah, yeah. <laughs> the product that the buyers want to buy is not there. So at the minute, the hardest thing to do would be buy a big block in an estate and put a big house on it because financially that's going to be really challenging. Plus, I wouldn't expect the developers got too many big blocks coming out of the ground. Mm, and so I think we're probably suffering a bit from that too. In the same way that the established market isn't providing a lot of great supply, I think the land market are also just behind the eight ball going through their construction phases, suffering the same issues trying to get their land developed so they can sell it and title it. Yep. Uh, they're probably just not a lot available in the first place that people would be jumping on to buy. Yeah, and I, I'd probably just quote uh, Michael McGowan from the HIA. I think his line is that the snake swallowed the wombat. I That's think it was as big as a wombat, yeah. but we're in the middle of trying to digest the wombat. Yeah. That's a, I think we leave it on that. That's insightful. <laughs> I hope I've uh, credited him properly. He's probably <laughs> nicked that off someone else who nicked it off someone else. So, yeah. Brendan Ptolemy, Managing Cheers, Director mate. of Heron Todd White. Always love it. And I know everyone listening will be very appreciative of having you in today. Thanks again. Cheers, Trent. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!